Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, Disciples Journey. This episode will cover sections 23 and 24. Uh, Section 23 is pretty interesting in that when it was first published, it was five different chapters, actually. And you're like, whoa, that's weird. Seven verses, five chapters. Yeah, they were short. (laughs) Um, This uh, revelation is given and speaks specifically to a few people, to Oliver Cowdery, to Hiram Smith, to Samuel Smith, Joseph's uh, other brother, and uh, Joseph Smith Sr., his dad, and then also to Joseph Knight Jr., or Sr., Joseph Knight Sr. So uh, Samuel Smith, Joseph Smith Sr., Hiram Smith. So those three Smiths, Oliver Cowdery, number four, and Joseph Knight Sr., number five. And so it was, sec- it was sectioned out for each individual person. Um, so I found this pretty interesting that uh, President Joseph Fielding Smith wrote about each of these five men. Uh, and so I thought it'd be cool to share what Joseph Fielding Smith wrote about these five men um, as we study the uh, verses that were given to them at this time. So they've come to them, to the Joseph, just kind of saying, what's what's my role? Again, this is not the first time for some of them. It's not a new concept here. People have, been, have already done this through the sections that we've read of the Doctrine and Covenants. So that's kind of the background context of what precipitated this revelation. And um, it's pretty interesting if you go and so like the, the Institute Manual has a lot of these things. The church, uh, History of the Church volumes have this where Joseph tells us quite often what led to each revelation happening. And so he tells us uh, they came to, to me and wanted to know the mind and will of the Lord for them. So what did Joseph Fielding Smith say about Oliver Cowdery? He said, first, the Lord spoke to Oliver Cowdery, informing him that he was to be aware of pride, lest thou shouldst enter into temptation. This was one of Oliver Cowdery's besetting sins. If he could have humbled himself in the troubled days of Kirtland, he would not have lost his patience or his place in the membership of the church. That which had been bestowed upon him was exceedingly great, and he had been willing to humble him. Had he been willing to humble himself, it was his privilege to stand with the prophet Joseph through all time and eternity, holding the keys of the dispensation of the fullness of times. However, in this particular time when the word was sought, he was freed from condemnation. He was commanded to make known his calling to both the church and also to the world. His great mission was to stand shoulder to shoulder with the prophet Joseph Smith, holding the keys of salvation for this dispensation. So, here the Lord, right now, Oliver is blameless, but the Lord sees all, right? And so he's warning him, saying, beware of pride. And it ends up being what costs Oliver his place in the kingdom for a time. Now, we've talked about in the past three the three witnesses of the Book of Mormon. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, the three witnesses of the Book of Mormon all ended up turning away from the church. Two of the three did come back, uh, and Oliver was one of them uh, shortly before his death. So, but but he misses out, right, on, on blessings that he could have had during his life and in that time, and the opportunity to stand shoulder to shoulder with Joseph, and, and who knows what happens then. Uh, so the Lord warned him uh, about, about his pride there. Hiram Smith, Joseph Fielding Smith, said, there is another thing of the great significance of this brief blessing to Hiram Smith, Wherefore, the duty is unto the church forever, and this because of thy family. Amen. It is doubtful the prophet Joseph Smith understood the meaning of this expression when, the rest, when this revelation was given. In later years, it was made clear 
It evidently has reference to the office of patriarch. Uh, Hiram Smith's also interesting. In verse 3 it says, And thy heart is opened and thy tongue loosed. In section 11, the, the, the Lord had promised Hiram that his tongue would be loosed after, if he would study. Evidently, this is the Lord is saying, all right, I'm fulfilling that promise. Uh, about Samuel Smith, uh, Joseph Felix Smith said, Samuel Smith, the Lord said it was his duty to also strengthen the church, ch- church, although he was not yet called to preach before the world. It will be recalled that Samuel was the third person baptized in this dispensation. He was the first to be ordained to the office of elder, one of the first, excuse me, and it was not long after this revelation when he was sent forth to teach, which he did with marked success for beyond, uh, far beyond his own realization. Samuel Smith was the first uh, missionary sent out. So something else to keep in mind as you read the words said to him. Uh, Joseph Smith Sr., uh, the Lord said he was not under any condemnation, and also that he was called to exhort and strengthen the church, and this was his duty, and hence, henceforth and forever. And then to Joseph Knight, uh, Joseph Fielding Smith said, It's quite possible that Joseph Knight, before he joined the church, was not given to prayer to any great extent. He was a universalist with very liberal views. This revelation was given before he had united himself with the church. He was baptized at the time of the enemies destroyed the dam in Colesville following the first conference of the church. So uh, you'll note that this revelation was given in April uh, 1830. And so, as I've, I mentioned in the previous introductory episode, some contention happens uh, around some baptisms, and that's one of the people that was baptized then was is uh, Joseph Knight. All right, so now I feel like it's probably a good time to talk about... Uh, well, so we're going to move into section 24, and I think that this is a good time to talk about the persecution that started to really uh, come up and face Joseph and the, the the members of the church and those who are seeking to become members. All right, so I'm just going to tell you the story the best I can, okay? So in my defense, the timeline of these events might be a little bit off, but I'm going to do my best from the things that I've studied. So number one, people want more people want to be baptized, Emma Smith being one of them. Uh, you know, as we just talked about, Joseph Knight Sr. being another one of them. There's a group of people who want to be baptized. So they go out and they make a dam and a little stream river type of thing going on here to get the water to be deep enough so that they can do baptisms. A local preacher finds out about this and is upset because many of the people who want to join with Joseph and the saints and be baptized left his congregation. So the Christian thing to do probably is go destroy the dam so the people can't be baptized, right? Right. So that's what they do. So in the, in the night they go and they destroy the dam so when the, when the saints show up to do the baptism, it's broken. So they get to work to fix it, get it all fixed, and they're, they're going to proceed to do the baptisms. As they're doing the baptisms, this preacher and his some of his followers are there berating and cursing at and yelling at and persecuting the, the saints. Baptisms are complete. They're going to be confirming the mem- these people and giving them the gift of the Holy Ghost. And what happens is... Uh, Joseph is arrested. Uh, he's arrested for disturbing the peace. It's just like, as you, if you ever read, if you've read these things in like in the saints or just through church history, maybe you're a better person than me, but I can't help but like 
I've got a little bit of Peter in me and my, sometimes my initial re- reaction is just like anger and like, I want to like fight someone, you know, and that is wrong. I know, but that's what I feel like. It's like, why is Joseph arrested for disturbing the peace? What? So anyway, that's what happens though. Um, so he's arrested. He ends up uh, being released. Joseph, um, the constable, the, the person who arrested him tells him that the people who had him arrested and that they want to ambush him, but that this guy, this guy says, I'm going to, I'll protect you. So then he's released because he's, you know, no, okay. Charges are dropped. He's released immediately. He's arrested by a constable from another County taken across County lines. This constable, not so friendly. Uh, Joseph said that uh, they had to spend a night together and the guy thought that Joseph was such a crooked guy that he was going to run, um, that they slept on the ground and the guy basically spooned Joseph Smith all night with his arm over him so that if Joseph were to move, he would wake up and he would be able to stop him. Um, at that time, the saints gathered together and rally a bunch of people, members and non-members, people who just knew Joseph and knew the, the knew the saints they all come in. They march. They march him into the courtroom, basically, and they testify to Joseph's character and that how good of a man that he is, and that these charges are ridiculous. And uh, so, before I th- and something like something like this happens, before they actually drop the charges, the constable is transporting Joseph, apologizes to him for the way he had treated him, realizes that he had been wrong based on these testimonies, was blown away by the, the number of character witnesses that would come to defend Joseph and come some distance to do so. So he ends up actually just releasing Joseph uh, while they're in transport, basically. So, um, and thus begins the, you know, persecution of Joseph from the United States government, states go- state governments, not necessarily the United States, but state and county governments. And this is going to follow that. This is in New York and Pennsylvania, but this is going to follow, you know, into Ohio and into uh, Missouri and Illinois. So this is just the beginning. So that's kind of the background and story of what's going on. Uh, that is the historical context to section 24. Section 24 is interesting in that it is one of the, few that I know of and that I've been able to, as I dove in and did some research sections that Joseph didn't record a, a reason for or what what uh, preceded this revelation coming. And so what we have is the historical context. Like I said, in section 23, you know, Joseph tells us, this is what happened. These men came to me and asked this question. And so then I went and I did, I asked, and here's this revelation. So, Section 24 is not like that. Joseph didn't say anything. But what we have is this context that I've just shared. And so you'll see the Lord saying to him, you've been delivered. You're going to have labors and afflictions and uh, and things like that. And so you can kind of see what's happening. Joseph didn't was was able to escape pers- the, the prison imprisonment, right? But he lost a bunch of time. And he's also, he's got to worry about the church. He's got to worry about his financial cares and his, fin- his family's well-being. And so that, 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 all of that stuff is 
if you, if you think of that as the background, the context of section 24, you can see what the Lord is trying to do for Joseph. The first one, of the, the first verse, and so it's one of the first things said, the Lord says, thou hast been delivered. And think of my introductory section and how has the Lord delivered you from your afflictions? An important thing to remember as you're going through afflictions is the past deliverances. The book, the book of Mormon, what do they? T- Joseph or Nephi points and says, "Hey, remember when Moses was delivered? Remember that, brothers. Remember that." And then they they are delivered, and they are delivered to the promised land. And they they would their their posterity would say, "Remember how our fathers were delivered?" And then uh, Alma and his people are delivered, and Limhi and his people, and then the people would say, "Remember how our fathers Alma and they were delivered." Out of the hands of the Lamanites, do you remember that? Do you remember the, the, the deliverance that we've experienced? The Lord will do the same for us moving forward and now. And so the Lord, you know, is building some hope for Joseph, saying, "You've been delivered. Yeah, there's going to be more persecution, but I remember how I have the power to deliver you because I've done it before." And you got to imagine that Joseph was feeling overwhelmed and that he was feeling like Moses, somewhat, and uh, like Enoch, and but the Lord, just like he confirmed their faith, was confirming Joseph's and, and helping to give him some hope. Um, in section, in so verse 10, the Lord says, continue in bearing my name before the world. How, how, how can we do that? What does that mean? Um, well, as we are baptized and as we uh, make and keep covenants at baptism and in the temple, we take upon us the name of Christ. And so by being worthy, that's one way. We have the name of Christ is by being worthy in example, examples. Another way that I thought of as I was studying was, think of the emphasis that we've been given to call the church by its proper name, to include Christ's name in his church. That's one way that we can uh, continue bearing his name before the world. Uh, verse 3, the Lord mentions magnifying your calling. I love this quote from um, Gordon B. Hinckley. He said, The word magnify is interesting. As it, as I interpret it, it means to enlarge, to make more clear, to bring closer, to strengthen. All of you, of course, are familiar with binoculars. When you put the lenses to your eyes and focus on them, you magnify, in effect, bring closer all within your field of vision. But if you turn them around and look through the other end, you diminish and make more distant that which you see. So it is with our actions as holders of the priesthood. When we live up to our high and holy calling, when we show uh, love for God through service to fellow men, when we use strength and talent to build faith and spread truth, we magnify our priesthood. When, on the other hand, we live lives of, of selfishness, when we indulge in sin, when we set our sights only on things of the world rather than on things of God, we diminish our priesthood. By fo- it's by focusing on the right things. That's how we magnify. It's by lifting where we stand. Uh, that's how we can magnify our calling. The Lord also says to Oliver Cowdery uh, in this section, don't look for miracles. You don't need, don't require miracles for your faith. This is another, uh, you know, I've mentioned throughout the podcasts and different episodes, I've talked about that the Lord works in wisdom and order and in patterns. This is another pattern of the Lord. The Lord says, don't, faith, or that miracles are not to build faith. Faith precedes the miracle because uh, they are a reward, essentially, at times for your faith, and that they confirm your faith. 
And to have faith confirmed, you have to first have it. A few other things that the Lord says to Joseph in this section, he says, you know, focus on the spiritual things, essentially. He says that the, the, the church will uh, support you. And so it is now today, right? We have, a, we have an unpaid ministry, but that doesn't mean that, and clergy, that doesn't mean that there aren't, isn't money that the, the general authorities get. Let's be honest. But why? Because they left something. They left something behind. They uh, are no longer able to um, focus on, on making money, taking care of their families. Um, I actually think that I have a quote. Let me find it. I don't remember where I put it. Uh, that's better than what I'm saying. Puts it in a great way. Uh, okay, there it is. Uh, yeah, that's why. Teller McConkie. He said, We know full well that the labor is worthy of the, his hire, and that those who devote all their time to the building up of the kingdom must be provided with food, clothing, shelter, and the, ne- the necessities of life. We must employ teachers in our schools, architects to design our temples, our contractors to build our synagogues, and managers to run our businesses. But those so employed, along with the whole membership of the church, participate also on a free will and voluntary basis, and otherwise furthering the Lord's work. Bank presidents work on welfare projects. Architects leave their drafting boards to go on missions. Contractors lay down their tools to serve as home teachers or bishops. Lawyers put aside corpus juris and the civil code to act as guides on Temple Square. Teachers leave the classroom to visit the fatherless and the widow in their afflictions. And he goes on with a few more lists, but that's how the church works. And so if you go and you're a missionary, a full-time missionary, and you get a monthly stipend, where does that come from? From the church. So that you don't have to worry about your temporal well-being all you're focused on is your duty, right? And so it is with general authorities and with mission presidents and, you know, that that's, and that's what the Lord is saying to Joseph is, I will take care of you. The members of the church will take care of you and they'll be happy to do it because you are my spokesman. And as you seek to do my work, Joseph, you will bless their lives in other ways. And he says, I'm going to uphold you in this. I'm not going to uphold you in, in, uh, temporal things and so think of the think of think of some of the hardships that joseph went through that were told that, yeah he was left somewhat to his own devices in that in those in that regard and yet he persevered and endured so it is with us lord in some instances and cases will say i am here for you i will do this for you take care i'll take care of this but in other cases he says i need you to do it you anything that you have to do in this area that's going to be up to you okay Look at the brother of Jared and the story of the brother of Jared. I'm going to answer this question for you, Mahanrai. I'm going to tell you, don't worry about the steering, the waves and the wind. I got it. Okay. All right. And then for your heir, all right, I'm going to tell you what to do. You do this thing, but then he's got to go do it. And then what, what do you, what do you want me to do about the light? You've got to do something. The Lord says to Joseph, Focus here. I'm going to tell you, you don't need to worry about your temporal well-being. And if you do on, the, on occasion and things, I'm not going to uphold you on that. That's, that's actions you're going to have to take. And just uh, a concluding thought about section 24, uh, about adversity and challenges and, uh, and that type of thing. George Q. Cannon said, so it is with all of us. We have great afflictions from time to time. It seems to be necessary that we should be tried and proved to see whether we are full of integrity or not. In this way, we get to know ourselves and our own weaknesses. And as the Lord 
knows us and our brethren and our sisters know us. Therefore, it is a precious gift to have the gift of patience, to be a good temper, to be cheerful, not to be depressed, to not give away to wrong feelings and to become impatient and irritable. It is a blessed gift for all to possess. Yes, there are obstacles and challenges. Men sometimes become cynical. Some despair and lose hope and faith in the future. But the message stands, do not abandon the Lord, for the Lord lives. He is our Savior and Redeemer. He is the Prince of Peace. The great assurance of life, the great reason for eternal life is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. And it's about remembering that. Guess what Joseph did with this section, with this revelation? He wrote it down. Just like he did all the other revelations because he valued them. Why did he value them? Because they came from God. And so, in valuing them, he put them down on, and wrote them and recorded them so that he could, he himself could refer to them. Now, I have no way of actually knowing this, but I imagine that this revelation, that we have a section 24, served as some comfort to Joseph throughout the next several years. And he often probably mm-hmm. thought about the Lord saying to him, Thou hast been delivered from the powers of Satan and from darkness. And that probably gave him hope to escape the darkness that he was then currently facing. Thanks for listening. Um, I hope you join me. I hope you join me next episode as we discuss sections 25 and 26 to finish out the week.